If you're up on Facebook today, you saw a little introduction of what we're getting into here today. And uh, just to, before we get started, how many ever heard of the disease called leprosy? Anybody not ever heard of it? All right, anybody not, who's heard of it does not know what it is. Don't know what leprosy I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. We've got the kids over here. Maybe they're not real familiar with, with that. You don't know what it is? Now, you were the one person, one of the people I would not have thought raised their hand on that one. That's just, that, th- that threw me on. <laughs> we don't see it in this country a whole lot. It has been, I, I think it still does occur, but it, uh, we don't see it a whole lot in this country. There's a couple of different kinds of leprosy. There are some that are contagious, and there are some that are not. But the Bible treats all leprosy as though it was contagious. So if you have any type of leprosy, they don't try and find out, is it a contagious type or is it not? If you have leprosy, you are in isolation. That's just how it goes. Now, leprosy, uh, most of the leprosies that are, that are out there, they begin to eat away different parts of the body. And if you see someone with leprosy, you'll see with, and I actually have pictures that I'm not going to show pictures because I do not want to be responsible for nightmares. <laughs> don't want that going on. So <laughs> we, I was thinking more of the kids, you know. <laughs> but Miss Phyllis says thank you too. <laughs> and what it does is it actually will, will begin to eat away parts of the body and the fingers will begin to disappear or toes will begin to disappear or uh, parts of a face will, will go away. And so it just begins to, to eat it away. So we've been looking at the Bible and having faith for healing from injuries. And the reason we're on leprosy is because leprosy is a disease for which we have authority over but it is also a disease that inflicts injuries. So that if you have leprosy, not only do you need to be cleansed of the disease, but you also need to be healed in your body. There's a wholeness that needs to be restored. Because if you had leprosy and your fingers were eaten away, how many know that God doesn't just make the disease go away? He's going to, make the, he's going to have the fingers come back too. And when these folks received healing then whatever it was that had gotten eaten away had, uh, had been respo- restored. Now, eventually, if you have leprosy long enough, it's going to eat away something vital and you will die. And that's the, the, the downside of the, or the, the, uh, the end result of the disease is that it will bring about death because it will eat away something that you need and you can't do, a while, do, do away or continue on this earth without it. Last week, as we were looking at this particular topic, we gave you a couple of things to uh, keep in mind. I just want to review those things with you. The first thing is to put yourself in a position to hear. That in the area of injury, most of the time, God is telling them to do something. In the area of sickness and disease, we have authority over the sickness and disease. But in the area of injury, generally, he's telling them to do something. So in the area of sickness and disease, the disease is subject to you. In the area of injury, we are subject to God. And whenever God says, we do. And that's what we had to get ourselves in a position to, to, um, to be do. But the first thing we have to do is put yourself in a position here. And some of the things we gave you on this is always be listening to the Word. Always be in the Word. Always be hearing the Word. As uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth said, because uh, somebody came up to him and they said, how long do you pray? Anybody ever heard him tell that story? How long do you pray? And he says, not usually no more than five minutes or ten minutes, I think he said, something like that. Uh, that long. And he, but he said, I also don't let more than five minutes go between prayers. He just stayed in a constant state of prayer. 
Now, see, that's a, that's a better thing to be able to do, to stay in a constant state of prayer, than just going away for, for prayer for a long period of time. You want to stay in that constant, constant presence of prayer. It doesn't mean that going away for prayer is bad or wrong or anything like that. It just means stay in a constant area of prayer. Don't let more than five minutes go between prayers, so to speak. Keep talking with God. Keep having that communication open. As you are reading the Word, God can speak to you. As you are listening to the Word being taught, God can speak to you. And as you keep tra- training yourself to put yourself in a place to, be, to hear, I'm always thinking about this. Oh, what am I hearing? What am I hearing? What am I hearing? Got to be hearing stuff. Got to be going over things. Then you are in a position for God to speak to you. And I have noticed this with my life, and I've heard other people mention it as well, that sometimes you can be listening to a, a, a message, recorded message, a podcast, something like that. You can be sitting down reading the Word. You can be going in, in an area that you're not even studying at that time, reading about or hearing about, and all of a sudden God speaks to you. And He says something about your situation, something about what you're going through that brings light, that helps you out. Well, we need to listen to those things. We need to hear those things. We need to, to rest on what God does. Not always be working. Sometimes people are always working for their healing. You don't need to be working. You've got to walk, walk in that place of rest. We got into that in some Hebrews chapters before. won't get into it all again here now. But put yourself in a position to hear. Train to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Just like you would train a pet. Just like you would train a dog. You want to train yourself to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Now, we talked about dogs last time. How many people have ever had fish? So I figure we get more people in the fish area. Now, it doesn't matter what kind of fish you have. I don't care if they're saltwater fish. I don't care if they're goldfish. I don't care if they're pond fish. The one thing you can do is you can train fish. How many of you have trained your fish? Absolutely. Every single person in this room has trained your fish. You're just not aware of it. When you walk over to the fish tank, what do the fish do? They come to you. Why? You are going to feed them. You have trained them. You have trained them when, when they see your face over by the fish tank, you are going to feed them. They will do this even if you already fed them. As soon as they see you come by, here we go. We're going to get some food. And no matter what fish you have, the fish can learn. And they will come over and they're, they're all ready. Come on, let's go. We're ready for some food. And you've trained your fish. Well, in the same way, you need to train yourself. Train yourself to that when God speaks, you do it. You don't wait. Because you see, if you don't train yourself to, to do these things, He can't speak to you the other things. He can't speak to you the other, other conditions. I've shared with you stories about the little dog I had, Shasta. She was a, she was a good dog, good learner. But I was able to do things with that dog that most people couldn't even dream of doing with a dog simply because she was trained. And because of the high level of training that she accepted and that I had time to do because I was in high school and didn't have a job at the time. And I was able to put a whole lot of time into that dog. That dog got to a place where it would listen and it would do things and we could go places that other people couldn't go to because I had a dog who would listen to me. Well, see... We want God to take us to some great places and do some great things. But we're not willing to put ourselves in a position to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. 
I don't know if I told this story to you in a while, but I'm sure I've told it at least one time. But one of the favorite places that we had to go was a, uh, me and my dog is that we would go down. I told you we'd go down to the park, but there was a secret place in this park. If you've ever been down in the area, in the uh, Hopper Willow Grove area, and if you go down Mill Road, you get down to the end, you have this little park there at the end of the road before you come over to York Road. If anybody is familiar with that little park that's there, it just looks like a long strip park. But there's a secret section to this park. No one knows about this section of the park. And so we would, uh, but we knew about it. My friend knew about it, and he had a dog who listened as good as mine did. And so what we would do is the only way that you could access this area of the park, the only way that you access it, was either to come with extremely big boots that you could wade through the water because there was a lot of water to get between you and the other side of the park that would go under a tunnel. Now, how many people have been at the Willow Grove Interchange for the Turnpike? All right, that was there when I was a kid. And here's what we would do. We would tell our dogs to sit and to stay, and they would. Sit and stay. We were out of sight. And we would climb up the hill for the interchange. We would get up on the roadside. We could see where all the toad booths are. And we would run across the road to the other side of the road, climb down on the hill, and then we would get to the other side of the turnpike. And then once we got to the other side of the turnpike, we would get out on one of the little islands in the water, and we would call our dogs. And the dogs sat there the whole time. It would take us sometimes 10 minutes to get across because you had to wait until all the traffic wasn't going through. You had to get a spot that you could run across. And so once we did, we would run across. We'd get to the other side. We'd get over there. It didn't matter if it took us 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Those dogs would not move. They would stay right there. Because they would do it, we could go there. And we could go into places that were just like, uh, for us anyway, for little kids, there's a jungle. <laughs> it, was a, it was just unexplored territory. And we would explore that all the way on out to the place. How many of you know where the Shell Station is over in Willow Grove on 611? We would cover the detail, all that, all that stuff. I've, I've looked at that little bridge and I said, we've been back in there before. And we've been all through that area. Just checking out the, the, the territory and what was going on. And the dogs loved it and we loved it. And we had a good, good time. But you see, we couldn't do that if the dogs didn't listen. So it made me think, how many things God is in my life that you would like to do with me, but you can't because I'm not listening. Because I haven't trained myself to listen that well. God can't even dream. I can't even take you there. I can't even think about taking you there because you don't listen well enough yet. Once you do, we can go out into these other places and we can do some things. But we've got to get to that place where we can listen. But there's a training that's involved. And you can do it yourself. Train yourself to obey the voice of your spirit. How do you do that? As soon as God speaks something to you, as soon as God speaks something to you, you listen to it. If God says, go over to this passage... Okay, I'm going to do that as soon as I get home. No, you do it right then. You see, if God's speaking it to you now, not only do you have time, (laughs) but you also have opportunity. It just doesn't look like it. And see, for a lot of us, we look at our situation and say, well, I can't do it because I don't have opportunity. I don't have time. And God says, until you can see past that, you're not training yourself right. I had to learn that lesson. No, no. If God's going to speak something to me, turn over here to this place. You know what I do? Whatever it is I'm doing is not as important as that. And I've got to drop it. I've got to get over there and, t- and to take care of this. And I'll tell you what, He will challenge you on this because this is a training process. He will challenge you on it. How serious are you? How serious are you to be trained? How serious are you to, to listen? He may tell you, go over to this store instead of this one. 
Don't get gas today. Or get gas today. And, and you just listen. How many people have ever had that thought, I'm going to get gas today, and for some reason, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I got this and this going on. But you felt in your, not just you thinking about it, you felt in your spirit, God was saying, go get gas today. Well, I mean, I, I guess I should get gas, but I don't have to do it right now. And so you wait till the next day, and gas went up 10 cents. <laughs> now, in the scheme of things, 10 cents, I mean, really, folks, don't drive across town to save 10 cents worth of gasoline. In the scheme of things, I mean, I'm putting 30 gallons in my tank. You're putting what, 10? 15 maybe? I'm putting 30 gallons in my tank every time I go. Now, 10 cents times 30 is what? Three bucks. Three bucks. How far are you going to save three bucks? Now, sometimes, you know, you need to save the three bucks, but you got to be careful. You're driving across town. You're making dangerous turns. (laughs) That three bucks cost you a lot more money. Don't always do that. But, you know, a $3 lesson right there, it's, it's not a $3 lesson. It was a training opportunity. And I missed it. It's not that God has to save you three bucks. He's trying to, to get you to tune in. And that would have just confirmed it with you. You would have said, oh, that's why it came up in my spirit to do that. But you see, that's the training process. And if we won't listen on that level, how are we going to listen on a higher level? If I can't listen... That God's speaking to me on these things. How am I going to hear when he says, stretch forth your hand? How am I going to hear him when he says, rise, take up your bed and walk? How am I going to hear him when he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam? I'm not going to hear that. I'll question it. But you see, if I can get myself to that place. I'm not questioning. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's good. That's one of those things that was beautiful about Shasta. No matter what command I gave her, she never questioned it. If I say, sit and stay, I made, I made my dog sit and stay and not eat until I said so. I would put the food in the bowl. I would put the bowl on the floor. And the whole time I'm doing it, I've already had the dog sit in the corner, wherever it is, it sits there. It knows you sit there. Until you sit there, I'm not getting the food ready. You want the food, you've got to sit. So it immediately sits. And I put that food down and it looks at me. It waits. It waits. I could sometimes, I've sometimes gone over and sat down and had dinner. And the dog's still sitting there. Why? Because I'm teaching it something. Still sitting there waiting. Still waiting. Still waiting. Still waiting. And then finally I turn over and says, okay, right on over there and gets that food. Does it. Never questions. Well, why am I doing this? You're eating. How come I can't be eating? But you see, that's where we have to get with God. I have to get so in tune to him that all he has to say is, wait. And I don't care how many other people are eating around me. If he said, wait, I'm going to wait. That's a high level. But a lot of times we want to believe for high level things, but we're not willing to do the high level things to get there. All right. Put yourself in a position to hear. Train to instantly obey the voice of your spirit and heed the command when you hear it. As soon as you hear it, heed it. Don't wait. Do it right away. I put this in my notes. I got to grab this from something I've done with you before. Just kind of review it. But the problem with chronic conditions... And some of you may be able to relate to this. You have a chronic and something that's gone on for a long period of time. Doesn't have to be 10 years. Might be a year. Might be a couple of months. So this chronic condition has been going on for a while. Chronic conditions, here's the problem with them. They tend to wear you down. They alter your attitude. They change your expectations. And they reshape your vision for the future. 
That's what chronic conditions can do. God doesn't want these things in your, in your life. He wants them out. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 17. And just so you are ready, I'm going to need a couple of helpers here as we get on down here. How many have ever asked or been asked to pray for people that are ill? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to hit something on that. We're going to hit something on it. I think you're ready to hear it. I've alluded to this in some times in the past. But I think we're going to hit it today. And in order to get it done, I'm going to need some help. So you guys, especially you, uh, you kids, we got you in here today. I need some help on, on there. Verse 12. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Why did they stand afar off? Because they're contagious. Because they're not supposed to come near people. They're amongst themselves. See, they can be, you can be by other lepers, but not people that don't have leprosy. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now this is how most of us pray if we have a condition. Oh God, I've been suffering for this for so long. Can you please take it away? Have mercy on me. This is how we pray. This is how they pray. Have mercy on us. Now what this does is, and this is a common attitude with people with healing, is that for, especially for something that's going on long, to, long term, it's not on me, it's on God. Have mercy on us. I have no role in this. Have mercy on us, God. Uh, I mean, this condition has been going on. Surely you love me. Surely I've done everything I know to do, and it's still here. But he gives them something to do. Verse 14, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. Now, the reason he says this is, You go show yourself to the priest when a change in the condition occurs. And the Bible very clearly states out what, what the change of condition is. If you meet these qualifications, if the condition is changed, then go show yourself to the priest. Otherwise, you're quarantined. So he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So they were not cleansed when he said it. They were cleansed when? As they went. The man with the withered hand. His withered hand was not restored when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. His withered hand was, was, was restored when? When he stretched it out. The man who was born blind was not cured when Jesus touched him. He was cured when he washed in the pool, when he did something. So he gives them something to do in faith. Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went. So they went still as lepers to go to the priest. Now you got ten people together. What do you want to bet one of them says, why are we going to the priest? Because Jesus said so. I, I would love to know what that conversation was. Fortunately, we have the videotape we can go back to when we're in heaven. Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. Now, there's word here for cleansed. And I put the word in there in case you want to look it up for yourself. Otherwise, it makes no difference to you. To cleanse, to make clean, to purge, or to purify. It says that they were cleansed. Which means the leprosy that was on them was gone. 
Now, one thing to note about this, these guys have had leprosy for a little while. It's not a new condition. And if you're wondering how I know that, it's not because of the tense of the Greek. It's not because of the construction or the wording that they used. The reason that I come to that conclusion is because there are ten of them and they're in a group. And they're already isolated. They have formed a group. They have found people with like conditions. And they've kind of buddied up. It doesn't happen right away. But after a while, you get cast out. You find people. And they have found people. They found ten altogether. And one of them, now watch this. You don't need any Greek on this. You can see it right here. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. What did it just say in the other verse? Cleansed. But now it says healed. You know it's a completely different Greek word? That's why they use a different English word. So you don't need any Greek in this thing. It's, it's, it's right there. First thing it says, and so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Healed. All right. Let's get the difference between this, these, these parts of it. We're going we're gonna to picture Tommy outside playing in the dirt. Tommy, do you like to play in the dirt? Uh, I, I do like it when... It's okay, even if even a mom's here. There's mud puddles. I, sometimes when I was like maybe four years old, I don't know if that really happened, but I think I had a sled and I went sled um, mudding. Sled mudding. All right. Now we got the rest of the story. <laughs> that's, that's good. But he likes mud. All right, you come in from the muddy puddles and your hands are muddy. What does your mom tell you to do? Go take a shower and she'll sleep on. All right, so you got to get a whole shower. If you just get your hands dirty, is it okay just to wash your hands? But either way, you're going to get cleansed, cleaned up. You got to get cleaned up, right? Yeah. All right, let's, let's say that Tommy was out playing in the mud and cut himself on a rock. Has that ever happened? Okay, I cut my hands. I'm constantly getting something on my hands and and cutting them because of what I do, I guess. But anyway, if you go and wash your hands, it will take care of the dirt, right? Will it take care of the cut? No. But we clean out all the dirt and all the infection, but we don't take care of the cut. There is a difference between being cleansed and being healed. Now, I don't know how much I can read into this. But I will tell you is that a different word is used. And before we get done the story, we're going to go back to the original word. It says right there, and one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Does that mean that one of them returned and glorified God, that one of them noticed they were healed or maybe that one of them was healed. I don't know. It is very possible that all ten were cleansed and healed. Because again, this they're in a group. 
more than likely they had leprosy for a little while and some things have gone away. They actually, I've heard people have this, they actually say parts of your body fall off. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, different word that is used here. This particular word, I put in your outline for you, it means to cure, heal, make whole. The other one is to clean, cleanse, purify. That means the disease was removed. But there's still damage from the disease, isn't there? And that would require something more than cleansing. And this would be healing. Now, it is very possible that all ten were healed, but that one saw he was healed, he returned. But we're very, we're very good about our words that we use in the Bible. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do anything by accident. If he inspired the word cleanse, that's what we're, we're looking at here. And this, uh, this passage is actually repeated three times. In three different Gospels, they carry this, this message. And one, when he saw that he was healed... returned and with a loud voice glorified God fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan so this this did something to him he saw I have to I have to read it this way at least he was cleansed the leprosy is gone and and the Old Testament's wording is of such for a cleansing not a healing that you were to go to the priest when you were cleansed. It didn't necessarily mention that you had to be healed. And that the fingers are restored or the body parts come back. It's just looking for a cleansing. That the, the leprosy isn't there anymore. But he came on back and he's, he's got everything there. But he doesn't go to the priest, does he? Now, the purpose for going to the priest is that if you had leprosy and you were cleansed, that you could go back and you could, he could examine the hand. Let's just say it's a hand. Leprosy was on the hand. He could examine and see there's no more leprosy on the hand. That's all he's looking for. The leprosy is gone. Because there were signs that you could see it. And then he would be allowed back into the society. There's a period of time of isolation. There's still a little bit of procedure they would go through but it's all in the Old Testament. But if you came back and your hand is perfect, not only is there no sign of the leprosy, but it's all healed. The Bible doesn't have provision for that. It doesn't say, you may not even have to go back to the priest because you go back and say, what do you mean I had leprosy? Do you see any leprosy on me? You, might, you almost could do that, but I'm sure they would go back and, and get that anyway. But he doesn't even go back. He, he heads on back to Jesus. And returned with a loud voice, glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten, what? Cleansed. He didn't go to the word healed. So does that mean that the other ten just received a cleansing? This one received a healing? I don't know. 
Now, he didn't get cleansed on the way to the priest and healed on the way back. Don't try and read that into it because he, until he saw that he was healed, he didn't turn back. He saw that he was healed. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, this tells us a whole lot you may not pick up right off the bat. First off, Samaritans and Jews do not have dealings with each other. They are in separate groups. Mostly because the Jews don't want to associate with the Samaritans. And then the Samaritans got, you know, kind of, they're dander up about that, and so they don't want to associate with the Jews anymore. So they don't like to associate with each other. But this particular group of ten lepers is apparently a mixed crowd. There are at least some Jews in the group. Otherwise, Jesus is wrong to expect them to come back. How can you expect Jews to come back and thank him if there were none in the ten? So the ten had to be made up of Samaritans and Jews in order for Jesus to expect that some of the Jews would have come back. There's at least one foreigner in the group. There might be more. Jesus calls him a foreigner. He was a... You know, the people have that attitude. I told you my story. Of, I was called a foreigner in this country. Not traveling outside. In this country, I was called a foreigner. It's out there in Oklahoma selling insurance to people. And you see, Oklahoma has two places that you should visit. Two. One's questionable. The other one is real nice. Tulsa is nice. You ever want to go to Tulsa? Tulsa is a nice town. It's a nice town to go visit. Oklahoma City, eh, I've been there. I don't want to go back. But I've been there. It's okay, but nothing but fun. But the places that are outside Tulsa and Oklahoma City, outside of that, you do not know. Being in this area, I don't care how much in the hicks you are in in Pennsylvania, you do not know what you are in for <laughs> when you go out to the out, outlander parts of Oklahoma. You do not know what you are in for because these towns are on the map if they have a Walmart or... A McDonald's. One town had both. I could tell you what the town was. It it took a while to get there. But they had both a Walmart and a McDonald's. I was in one town. And the guy says, when you get into town, give me a call. Give me directions how to get here. So I got into town, found a phone booth, called him up. He says, all right, you're at the phone booth. You heard me right. I was at the phone booth. This town had one... Now, this is not when cell phones are around. There is no cell phones. Everything is on a pay phone. I'm at the cell phone. One guy, the first guy I made a sale for, to get to his house, I am in a pretty brand new car, and I am driving over a wooden homemade bridge over swamp that was not straight, it twisted and turned to get to his house. It was not a hundred yards. It was a long way. Now, to top that off, I still don't know why I did this. Why in the world I took this risk? It has beams, wooden beams that go along this way, like a railroad track, and then two sets of two-by-fours on this side and two sets of two-by-fours on this side. And you put your tires on the two-by-fours and drove across the bridge. If you fell off the two-by-fours, you were in trouble. 
So I drove all the way out to his house, got to that bridge, got over and went over it, and then got, he signed. He, he was the first person I had that bought the stuff, and I was so happy, and I left, and on my way home, on my way to back to the hotel, or wherever it was I was going, I wasn't going all the way home, I realized I didn't have him sign all the documents. Turn the car around, back over the little bridge, keeping the tires on the, four by two, by four, the two four by fours, keep yourself over there, got him to sign the rest of the documents, made my way on back. But one place I was there, I called up, made the appointment, showed up at the house, and sat on down with the people. And we're talking, and he says, where are you from? I said, I'm from Pennsylvania. He said, I told my wife you were a foreigner. His exact words. <laughs> so I've been called a foreigner. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> My response was, yes, I am. I am nowhere near <laughs> this place. <laughs> that was something else. And um, I did not stay in that business for very long. And they probably weren't too upset. How come no one was found to give glory to God except this foreigner? No one else came back. Were there not ten? Where's the other nine? Don't you get, get from this that Jesus was expecting the other nine to come? That he expected them to, to make the journey? But they didn't come. Now, I believe I put this in your outline. I copied this from something way back. And I even left the uh, blanks filled in, didn't I? Yeah. I wasn't going to. But I did. <laughs> so were they ungrateful? How do we get to that place of being? Because you, you look at, why did the other nine come back? And one of the things is, maybe they're just ungrateful. How many of you have ever had people that are just ungrateful? You give them something really good and they just are ungrateful. How do people get to that place? First off, we forget what we have received. Secondly, we regret what we have received. <laughs> I got this, but I don't want it anymore. Uh, we should get, we should get what we received. Well, I may, you may have given it to me, but I, it was, it should have been mine. I should have had that. And we resent what others have received. When we see other people getting good stuff, we get mad at them. That gets us into the place of being ungrateful. So one thing that made them not come back, maybe, is they were ungrateful, or did they just not perceive that's what Jesus wanted? Now, he didn't tell them to come back, did he? But he expected them to. And this one came back. Jesus was pleased that he came back. Just because Jesus doesn't say it, doesn't mean he doesn't want you to do it. See, there's a higher level there. Because I know my Father. Because I know Jesus. I know this is what he'd want. And I'm going to go ahead and do this. You know, we just had Christmas. How many people went out shopping and said, oh, they didn't ask for this, but <laughs> I just know they would like this. And you couldn't wait for them to open it because it wasn't anything that they asked for. It was something that you came up with on your own and you were excited to see them open. I mean, if they asked for it and you got it, yeah, it's so much. But if you find something they didn't ask for, there's a, there's a higher level of joy there, isn't it? There's some things in that with God as well. He won't necessarily ask you for everything, but he's watching and seeing. Do they know me well enough to know that I would want this? 
Now look at what he says to him. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. What did? His faith. Not Jesus' faith, not the power of God. His faith made him well. What did he do that was an act of faith? He did what God told him to do, which was go show yourself to the priest. That was it. And he went and did it. But you had to, they had to get themselves in a position to hear. If they don't get Jesus' attention, if they don't come by Jesus, they don't hear His words, they don't hear His words, they don't do it. Now here's another situation of leprosy. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now look at this. Here's a leper. He is captain, commander of the Syrian army. That means he's in charge of people. He has a wife. But he has leprosy. What's that tell you about the leprosy? It's not contagious. But he's got a form of leprosy and is probably doing him some damage. Jump on down to verse 9. The Naaman went with his... He gets told, the, the servant girl, of course, tells him about Elisha. If you only go over to, to my home country and, you know, Elisha's there and he'd take care of this for you. So he goes to the king and all that sort of stuff happened. He gets over to verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. Doesn't come himself. How big is Elisha's house? I'm sorry, he's in the study. I'm sorry, he's in the parlor. How many people have a house with a parlor? I don't even know what one is. How's it different from anything else? I don't know. But we all watch those shows and they're in the parlor. Go and wash in, Elisha sent a message to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, Surely he will come out to me. He will stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Now you never had a preconceived idea how God would heal you, did you? I'm going to go to the meeting. I'm going to get prayed for. They're going to say in Jesus' name, I'm going to fall over backwards. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to be healed. And so you go to the meeting and you get in line and the person comes to you and says, go and wash seven times. What, do I smell? I mean, come on. What, how, what? Naaman became furious. He says, are not the Abana and the Par, Farpar? The rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, sometimes God speaks something to you. And we hear what he says and we say, come on, really? I mean, I got to eat more vegetables? Do you not know me? What do you mean I got to exercise more? I exercise plenty. 
Have you seen me chasing these kids around the house? Have you seen how many miles I have to walk at work? Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't aware. I shouldn't have given you that. But this is what name is doing. It's the same thing we do. The same thing we do. Couldn't I have done this? Why do I have to go out and do that? I don't see anybody else being told that they have to go out and do it. Why am I the one? Why do I have to eat more vegetables? So-and-so eats all the meat that he wants to. I listen to the pastor in church. He's always eating meat. Right? What do you mean no more candy? I like candy. Huh. But you see, we come up with our own way and we throw it back over to God. See, we're not ready to hear. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. As far as we know from that, that story, all he was was cleansed, not healed. There's no mention of healing, but his flesh that was there was restored to a, that of a child. Could be that it hadn't eaten away too much. Don't know. Now, I want you to call your attention to Luke chapter 4. It also talks about this. Verse 24. You need to see this one. And he said, As surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Do you get the impression from that verse of Scripture that the opportunity... For healing was available to more, but no one took it. Otherwise, why is Jesus bringing this up? If the will of God was only to take care of Naaman, why in the world bring this thing up? Is he not trying to show that the God was the same, but the people were different? And only one stood up and did what was supposed to be. Only one put himself in a position to hear what to do. And then only one did it. Same thing with the woman he brings up. What did she here to do? Feed the man of God. But I don't have much. But she went ahead and did it anyway. And then she and her son, prophet, were all taken care of. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian foreigner. Now, one more here. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Oh, remember that one. I know you're able. I just don't know if you want to. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing 
be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. So if you are willing, if you're willing, and he says, I'm willing, be cleansed. And he touched them and he spoke the words. I believe it's in the Matthew count. I miswrote this in here because I gave you the Mark account. I believe in the Matthew count, it says as soon as he had spoken. But Luke and Mark are the ones who mentioned the touching. But immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. He was what? Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. It doesn't necessarily say he was healed. Now here's one thing you can look look in this. This man is by himself. He does not, does not have a group of ten. Five, seven, fifteen. He's not in a group. He is by himself, which probably means he has not had this very long. Could mean also he's not contagious. But in Israel, it doesn't matter. You still have to, to go out. You still cast it out. But they may not have had it very long. There may not have been anything to heal just yet. Because I think if there was, Jesus would have probably done it. But at this point, it says the leprosy left him. That's an authority thing. But most of us, when we are involved in something, how many of you want this to be this way? That Jesus just waves his hand and says, be healed. And, and we are healed. That's how we want it. Now, it's not the case with all, all things, but most times that we are suffering from an injury or suffering from something that is wrong in our, our body, most of the times it does not happen just suddenly. A lot of times, and I can attest to this, maybe Tommy can too, I have been injured because I have been in places I am not supposed to be. I remember one time there was an edict given in our house because I climbed every single tree in our yard. Every single one. care how difficult it looked, I found a way to climb the sucker. And I got up there. And... um, Mom didn't want me climbing trees. Why don't moms want sons climbing trees? Because you're going to get hurt. I know it. You're going to get hurt. Why do sons climb the trees? Because I know we're not going to get hurt. And it's fun. I don't know why moms can't understand this. But this is the problem that goes on between moms and sons. As far as playing football, playing hockey, mom says... No, son says, please. And so we're going out there. So anyway, we were in the, I was out in the back and, you know, they had this certain cluster of trees that's back in there and that's kind of a fun one to climb. And so I was climbing, I actually climbed up right outside my, my bedroom window. So I was climbing on up that thing and, and it was about, I don't know, it's like 10 trees in, in this cluster that's growing on up and I'm climbing up one and all of a sudden I realized that the one that I am on is dead. The whole tree is dead. The whole thing. I mean, dead, dead, dead. Not just died. I mean, it's, it's dead. I am standing on a dead branch. Have you ever tried to break a live branch? It's very difficult. You've ever tried to break a dead one? It's very easy. 
So I realize I am on a dead branch and I need to move to a live one. In the process of moving from the dead tree to a live tree, it snapped and I came down. From the second floor, right on down, hitting branches along the way. On the dead tree, as I would hit them, they would snap and noise was made. So mom's on the inside and mom hears all this stuff that happens and mom just calls out, Steve, are you climbing that tree? Now I landed flat on my back from the second floor, flat on my back, landed and it hurt and I was in extreme pain and you know what I did? Jumped right up. Nope, not me. I'm fine. <laughs> and I continued on my day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But you know, those kind of injuries don't just happen. They happen why? Because of a string of disobedience <laughs> that we do. Most of the time, folks, that we've been injured and we've been doing, doing things, it's not just because we missed it one time. It's because God keeps saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And finally it snapped and it broke and whatever happened. And God said, I told you not to do it. I told you not to do it. I remember one of the times we were at the pool party. The uh, picnic we have at the, at the church over at our house. Everybody's in the pool. This particular time, Ola was out on the side. And all of us watching what's going on. And Ola says, Ola says, because I think Eric was small then, Eric says, baby's going to fall in the pool. Baby's going to fall in the pool. Baby's going to fall in the pool. Sure enough, baby fell in the pool. Uh, it, was, it was Eric, wasn't it? Eric fell right in the pool. Well, as soon as Phyllis saw that Eric fell in the pool, guess who else went in the pool? Right in after him. I mean, she she was not ready to go in the pool, but suddenly she was ready, right in the pool, and uh, and scooped the guy on out. I just think about that situation as I think about God. Steve's going to get hurt. Steve's going to get hurt. Steve's going to get hurt. Steve got hurt. <laughs> I just see God doing that, you know. <laughs> He's trying to tell me. He's trying to tell me. And so most of the time that injuries have occurred, it's because we're not tuning into what God is telling us not to do or to do. And what we need to fix is not necessarily the injury, it's the lack of obedience. And so what he does is he gives us something to do that sounds outlandish because he's trying to fix the disobedience so we can get into the other thing. Now, don't come to me and tell me, well, I got this. How was I disobedient? I don't know. I wasn't by the pool when you're getting ready to fall in. But God was, and God was telling you something. (laughs) I know when he's told me some things, I said, I'm sort of felt like you were telling me that, but I, yeah. I just really wanted to do it. 
But he got on in there and he was, he was asking for help. Now, we told you at the beginning here, we're going to talk about when should you ask people for help. Because all the times, if we get something going on with us, what do we want to do? Let's call the prayer chain. Let's call the people over here. Let's call somebody. We want to, we want to do that. So, I need Tommy. Tommy, I need you to come on up here. I got some other things for you guys. Tommy, come on. I need you to come on up here. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your assistance. Because in order for me to make this work, I need to move this pulpit over to that side of the church. Would you please do that for me? But why not? That's too heavy for you? What do you need? He needs help. Huh. Would you carry this over to the other side of the room? You can put it anywhere you want to over there. It's fine. Very good. Appreciate the help. <laughs> now, the reason he didn't ask for help for this was because it was within his ability. The reason he asked for help for that was it was not within his ability. How many watched football yesterday? I heard Miss Ethel tuned out the announcers. I wish I could tune out the announcers. I wish every time I watch football, which is very seldom anymore, I could tune out the announcers. But I don't have Comcast. If I had Comcast, I could turn on the radio and listen to the best announcers available for Philadelphia sports. Merrill Reese. I enjoy Merrill Reese. At least he's intelligent when he speaks. I don't think these guys put any thoughts in anything that they say at all. But anyway, I'm watching these guys, and they made a comment about Lane Johnson. How many people do not know who Lane Johnson is? That is a lot of people. All right. Lane Johnson is the right guard, all-pro right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a big guy. Out of his draft class, there were four linemen taken. He is the best of all of them. I think he was the third or fourth taken. Andy Reid picked the number one lineman, and he is not playing football or not playing football very well anymore. I remember that draft very well because we had, to, I think, the third pick in that draft, and we took the third or fourth. We, we took Lane Johnson, who has been outstanding. And one of the things they said about him was, you need people in the line who, when you assign them somebody, they can take them. They can deal with them. That a lot of times you have to put help out there. So if you have an offensive lineman who has a defensive lineman and he needs help for it, where do you get the help from? Another person on the line. If you really know football, you know you're going to pull in the running backs, you're going to pull in the tight end, you're going to do something like that, you're going to put an extra person in. How many people do, does the offense have on the field in football? Anybody know that number? She was going to say 11. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you? You're going to say 11, right? 11. 11 is what it is. We have 11 on the offense. We have 11 on the defense. If you take two offensive players and put them on one defensive player, what does that cause? Someone is not being taken care of. That's just a numbers game. So if in football, they all come back to the huddle, and Big V, who's the guy on the left side, he says, I need help. What do they have to do? Pull somebody. Now, why is Big V going to say, I need help? Because the guy who's on the other side is bigger, faster, tougher than I am. 
I need help in order to keep him out. Here's the problem we have, folks. When we keep, as Christians, going around asking everybody for prayer for stuff that's common. I don't want to name situations because then you think I'm talking about you. If you keep calling people up, would you pray for me? I have this going on. What you're saying is, my situation is too big for me. I can't do it. Now, if Israel over there was one of the offensive linemen and Jolly Jr. was one of the defensive linemen, how many of you could say, Jolly, stand up. Make sure everybody knows. That's Jolly. Israel, stand up. That's Israel. (laughs) Now, can you understand why Israel might need help (laughs) taking care of Jolly? Now, what if we reversed it? What if Jolly is on the offensive line and Israel's on the defensive line? And what if Jolly comes back to the huddle and says, guys, I need help. And they would say, you need what? <laughs> you, need, you need help? Uh, yeah, he's just so fast. He's just so tough. I mean, man, that kid is strong. All right, you guys can sit down. You see, when we ask for help in prayer, what we're saying is, I'm in a situation and I can't win. I need other people to come along. And I never expand, I never get better. I never try and get to a place where the sicknesses and diseases that I face, I can take care of this. I got this. I got this. Because I know the God that's in me. Now, one of the more important things is, you need to know your limits. Because if Lane Johnson comes back to the huddle and says, guys, I need help with this guy, and, but, he de- but if he needs help and he doesn't ask, the quarterback is in trouble. If he needs help, he needs to ask for it, doesn't he? Because people are going to be in trouble. If you need help, you ask for it. But there ought to be a place where you're coming in your Christian life where I don't need help with the same things I needed help with before. You see, in a few years, Israel's going to grow up. He's going to be bigger. And he's going to close that size difference between him and Jolly. And there will come a day when Brother Jolly will need help because Israel's on the other side. (laughs) That day is just not today. (laughs) But it, it will come. You've got to get a vision that I don't need help with everything that I face. The Word of God actually has a verse where I didn't put it in your outline. I wasn't planning on going there. But it says, bear with the, the, the weaknesses of others. That whole passage of Scripture is, actually says both things. Bear, each other's, or bear your own burdens and bear each other's burdens. Because of the, the wording is different. You are to bear the things that you're supposed to bear on a normal basis. But the things that are extra, the things that are special, call in for some help. You know, if you're going to... We're moving to a new house... How many of y'all know that's a help? That's, that's not a normal everyday, everyday thing. How many, you can't call the same people and say, can you come over and help me wash the dishes? Wash your own dishes. I got my dishes to wash. You wash your own dishes. We need to get to that place where I'm expecting myself to grow. I'm expecting myself to take these things on. Don't always be quick to ask for prayer in all things. No, I'm get, I'm at the, I didn't used to be able to do this. But I can do this now. 
I understand the authority. I understand the power that I've got on the inside of me and I can go after this thing and you can change it. I got some more to, to get on here. Let me finish up. Put this in your outline here for you. Those, uh, there are those healed by laying on of hands or words spoken, but don't set your mind on the method. So just because we see some examples where people were healed this way doesn't mean that's the way you're going to be healed. Sometimes it might be a God's going to give you a command. You need to obey that command. Obey that command. It's in the obedience that you're going to get it done. Don't be a name and say, I wanted you to come out and wave your hand, call in the name of your God. Don't be doing that. God, why do I have to be obedient? Why am I the one who has... Because most times we are in a situation, especially in the area of injuries and, and healing from chronic conditions, is because we've done things that have put us in that place. Sometimes we worried and we're anxious instead of just letting things go. Putting things in the hands of God. Sometimes we have walked in a place of anger and distress, unforgiveness. And that's been going on for a long time. That causes situations to go on in your body. You've got to learn how to obey in order to get out of it. We've got to make sure we stay in that area of, of gratefulness because God seems to expect it. I put this in, it's a, oh, it is in your outline, isn't it? How to maintain a grateful and thankful attitude. I saw this when I was looking over some other things. I said, I'm just going to put this in here. Just to remind you about it. Because when you have a chronic condition and you have something going on causing you pain, the one thing that can go out the window is being grateful and thankful. So here's how you maintain it. First off, speak or think highly of others. I gave this to you years ago. I'm just giving it to you again. Speak or think highly of others. People who are ungrateful constantly put other people down. Speak, think highly of God. People who have chronic conditions constantly speak of God in a, in a, in a way they shouldn't. Well, God must love everybody except me. I don't know why God hasn't taken care of this for me yet, but I'm still... I know my faith is right. I don't know what's going on with God then. Speak or think highly of God. Speak or think highly of what you have. Yeah, we got this house. I hate this house. It's always dirty. And I don't like the color. And I don't like the kitchen. And I don't like the living room. You can't stand the doors. And just constantly talking to down. Can't stand my car. I hate my car. Nobody's here ever said that, right? Especially when it's busted up on you and gone wrong. Something challenging is going on. My wife came home on Monday with the car and she just got in the driveway and turned it off and the, the battery was dead. She didn't turn it on again to see because she was, was acting funny on her. Sure enough, that battery was dead. That sucker was gone. And how many want to be thankful? Well, I was thankful she got home. That's good. Because we got in there the next day. You know, I had a driver to work, work the next day. Got in there the next day. And I said, well, I'll just jump it. And I'll drive it over to our guys. And I'll let them take a look at it. So I was getting my, put the jumper cables on uh, one car and then put it on the other. And sparks. I mean, huge. Coming out to get me. Those kind of sparks. I said, man, this isn't normal. It's been a long time since I jumped the battery. What is it doing? 
So I said, oh, I'll flip it around. I'll put them on the, the other vehicle first. And then I'll put it on the, the, the other. And so I did it that way. Sparks. All over sparks. I said, forget this. I'm not ruining my only vehicle. We got this working. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so I called up the uh, Verizon. And, uh, you know, because we have a little contract with them. They'll send people over to fix anything. And so bring someone over to jump the car. So they brought someone over. He came over. He jumped the car. He put the things on there. Spark flew. Not as bad as the ones I had, but sparks flew. And I told him about the sparks I had flown. He said, you sure you lined up? I said, yes, I know how to put the red one on the red one. <laughs> Not a novice at this. And so sparks flew with him. And so when he got done with it, he says, uh, he says oh, you don't want to hear that. Oh, he says, something's wrong. He says, this thing is just draining my battery. I said, there's something wrong in there. I said, well, I was sort of thinking it was an alternator. It wasn't just a battery. He says, yeah, I'd say it's at least an alternator. <laughs> so he, he says, as soon as I take these things off, it's going to die. And sure enough, he took them off and it died. So now I'm back on the phone with Verizon. Give me a flatbed. So they sent me out a flatbed. And so they towed it to the, to the place, and they're looking at it. And they say, they call me up, and they go, oh. So they described what happened. By the next day, we did finally get it back. <laughs> extensive, extensive work. <laughs> and we got the, got the sucker back. But, you know, I was, here's a side note. I needed help. I needed help on that one. And uh, help was good. It was down, it was out below what I had. But even still, don't talk badly about your car. Don't talk badly about it. Even if it acts up like that. Don't talk badly. What do you say about your car? Thank God that I have a car. Thank God that every day I have a car I can get out to and it starts up and it gets me to places I need to go. Thank God. Stay grateful. Because see, that's a, that's a path you don't want to get on. Speak or think highly of what has been done. That's why it's good to write down your praise reports and things that God has done. Because when things get, get bad, you know what you tend to forget? What God has done. Don't forget what God has done. God has done some good things. This is not in your outline. Obviously, there was no more room. The path of of ungratefulness is paved with the expectations of what I deserve. I gave this to you before. Just kind of reviewing these things. We speak of things about or like. This This is the paving of becoming ungrateful. Here's what, here's what we talk about. What I deserve... You listen to Brother Keith Moore any time, you know you don't deserve a thing. <laughs> Brother Keith is very good at emphasizing that. You don't, you don't get what you deserve. Glory to God for that. We, we begin to talk about what I deserve, what I have done. You're going to God and saying, but God, I have done this and I've been faithful and I've been going to church and I've been tithing and I've been reading the Bible and I've been praying and go over all these different things. You are on the path that you do not want to be on as a path of ungratefulness. There's another one. What others should do. Have you ever talked about that? Well, you know, they should do this. You are on the path of ungratefulness. Here's the last one. What others haven't done. Can you believe that a girl didn't do that for me? I couldn't believe it. You know she should have done it. But she didn't. Acted like I wasn't even supposed to expect it. But I knew I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What I deserve, what I have done, what others should do, and what others haven't done. You begin to talk about these kind of things, you are putting yourself on a path of being ungrateful, and you're going to become like one of those nine who can receive a cleansing of an uncurable disease and just keep on going on and not even come back to Jesus. Only one of them did. Don't get in that place of ungratefulness. That's just sort of a side note. Here we're talking about healing. Getting healed from these things. Get yourself in a position to hear. Because there were a lot of people who had leprosy in Israel and not to one of them was, Israel, was Elisha sent. Not to, he wasn't sent to them. It wasn't that they rejected what he said. He wasn't sent. Why was he not sent? Because they were not ready to obey. One more thing, we'll let you go. When Jesus walked into the pool, the pool of Bethsaida, and he found the lame man lying there. And he has this conversation with him, and this man gets up and walks out before it's all done. How many people did Jesus walk by? Why does Jesus not deal with anyone else? Because that's the one he was sent to. If you want God to be able to send the words that you need to obey, you've got to become one of those ones he can send it to. I'd love to send those words to you, but you can't hear them. You, just, you can't hear them yet. Get yourself in that place. Get yourself ready. Be in a position to hear. Train yourself to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. And when that voice comes, heed it immediately. If you just work on training like this and get yourself trained, get yourself ready, you will be good to go. Whenever the opportunity calls and God says, here's the word, I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to take up my pallet and go home. I'm ready to stretch out my hand. I'm ready to go to the pool of Siloam and and wash. I am ready to do what he says. And when he says, go show yourself to the priest, I don't say, but nothing's changed. I walk on over to the priest. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father God, we thank you that you desire to do good things for us. Just as we saw, the man came to you and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. We know that you can. We're just having some trouble on the willing part because we've had this thing for so long. But we need to put ourselves in a position to hear the words that you speak. And as we obey them, healing comes. I thank you, Father, that we can be healed. And if we obey, we will be healed. We want to be one of those who gets your attention. One of those that Elisha would be sent to, or wherever else is sent. That we would hear the word of what to do. And we would do it. So this week, as you speak to us and you tell us those little things, we're going to do them, even though it seems to have no bearing on what we're believing for. When you tell us to change this, alter this, if you're telling it to us, it means we can do it. And we will yield. I thank you, Father. Oh, I thank you for the help you give us. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today, saying, I know 
I have not heeded the voice of the Spirit that's come to me. I have not gone through that training. But I am altering my lifestyle now, and I will be trained. Raise your hand. Glory to God. Father God, you see the hands that are raised? We are ready to be trained. And you always have to start off with some small stuff before we can get into the good stuff. Father, we're willing to listen to the, to the small things, the light things, because we know healing is in our future. You are willing, and therefore, we will be clean. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, glory be to God. Glory to God. As you get some, get to hear some things from God. You don't have to say all the things that God tells you to do, but as you begin to hear and as you begin to obey, write it down as part of your prayer reports. I heard God say this to me and I did it. <laughs> if you want to say what it is, that's fine. You don't have to. Just say, God told me to do something in this area and uh, just, just speak it out. Glory to God. Let us know. Helps other people to, to know what's going on. Because God will alter your life if you let him. It's just a few Christians put themselves in a position to hear the things that will change their life. Glory to God. We have um, I know one, one praise report that I got from Daryl. The Lord made a way for us to purchase a new car without having to finance it. Isn't that cool? That is that is nice. Brother Jolly is not here today, but he is back. I, I take it he's probably at work. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Got back on Thursday. Much easier trip back home. I'm assuming from the shortness of the time than it was in the getting out there. <laughs> I heard that was a a tough one getting out there. Praise put out there. It says yes. Yesterday, you have very neat handwriting. You really do. It's just a little smaller. Yesterday night on my way to pick up my brother, there was a voice that kept telling me to be safe on the road and stay on the speed limit. On my way, I saw two cops, one of which pulled someone over. (laughs) Not that I speed, (laughs) but I thank God for the reminder. (laughs) Yeah, amen. It's... It is good. God doesn't like us to have those those uh, those things going on either. Mercy said, a friend of mine asked me this morning at work to pray for her husband who has cancer. Are they a believer? All right. They believe in Jesus as their healer? And I know if not, you're going to get in there and get and, and change it around. But <laughs> do, they, do they know Jesus as their healer? Or is that something you have to minister to them? Okay. All right, well, let's just pray for that opportunity to find that out. Father God, we thank you for the help you give us in this situation right here. That you give mercy the, the words and the opportunity to help her find out that you believe in Jesus as the healer and to be able to call on Jesus to come into that situation and change this. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You have some things to, to go over.